Hi there. Before we continue with Paul's letter to the Galatian churches, it will be helpful to remember how the churches started. And you can read about that in Acts 14. It was after Paul and his companions had been uh, sent out from the church in Antioch to take the gospel to the regions beyond. And they went and they preached the gospel in the towns of Iconium and Lystra and Derbe in the, in the region of Galatia, which is in modern day Turkey. And their preaching was accompanied by amazing miracles. Uh, on one occasion, as Paul was speaking, a man who had been crippled since birth was listening intently. And it says that Paul saw he had faith to be made well. And so he commanded him to stand up. And he did, to the utter amazement of the crowd. It wasn't without opposition, though. Paul was almost stoned to death by a mob. And, and yet churches got started in that region because a great number of Jews and Gentiles came to believe in Jesus. I just love the book of Acts, right? It's dynamite. Uh, a brand new community of people had arrived on the scene, just ordinary, everyday people who were following Jesus, and yet they had such an impact on society that the complaint was made, they were turning the world upside down. Uh, and like many people, I believe that what we see in the book of Acts is normative Christianity. If the church today looks nothing like what we see in the book of Acts, then we need to cry out to God to revive his church rather than just settle for the status quo. But how did it all start? Because at one time those first believers were living in fear, they were hiding behind locked doors, and yet they were transformed. And not just by uh, Jesus being raised from the dead, but by receiving the promised Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, said Jesus, and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The church receiving the promised Holy Spirit is the explanation for what happens in the following chapters of Acts, as a new multinational spirit-empowered community is formed and then went out and changed society. So with that as the background, Let's now read from Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you lost your senses, he's saying? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You know, when Paul came to Galatia, he would have preached very clearly and publicly about Christ and him crucified. And so next, Paul asks a question. And remember that the reason why he was writing this letter was because rival teachers had infiltrated the churches and were saying, you know, it's not enough to just to have faith in Christ alone. If you want to belong to God's family, you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the law of Moses. So the question we might expect Paul to ask is, were you saved by keeping the law or by faith in Christ? But that's not the question he asked. There's just one question he's concerned about. This is what he says. Let's read on in verse 2. He says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did you receive the Spirit, he says? It's their experience of the Holy Spirit that is most important. Now, of course, the assumption here is that they have received the Spirit. As Paul says elsewhere, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the indwelling Spirit. It's the Spirit who brings to birth a new creation. You know, we are born of the Spirit. And so Paul continues on. He says, 
Are you so foolish? Have you lost your minds? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you trying to finish God's work by your own efforts, he's saying? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Now, of course, Abraham also saw a miracle happen, didn't he? When uh, Isaac was born, he and Sarah were past childbearing age, and yet he believed God's promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Right? Abraham had faith, and he received the blessing of God. So Paul then goes on to say, Know then that it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It's not those who are ethnically Jewish and who keep the law of Moses. They're not the true sons of Abraham. It's those who, like Abraham, believe God's promise, those who have faith. And the scripture, uh, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Right? This is God's plan all along, he's saying. In you shall all the nations be blessed, he says. So, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's how we receive God's blessing. We, the blessing he promised to Abraham, right? We are accepted into God's multinational family. We become a part of his new creation on earth, not by keeping certain rules and requirements, but through faith like Abraham. In fact, Paul goes on to say, you know, if we're trying to gain a seat at the table by just keeping certain rules and requirements, it's actually even worse for us because not only are we uh, denied God's blessing, but we are under a curse. As Paul then goes on to say in verse 10, quoting the law itself in Deuteronomy, where it says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All right, and so unless we keep every part of the law in its entirety, unless we uh, love God with all our heart, soul, strength and mind, and love our neighbours as ourselves, we are cursed. Which basically means we are alienated from God. You see, what the law does is it points us to our desperate need of a saviour, because we could never make ourselves right with God by our own efforts. We would always fall short. Right? We could never receive God's blessing and become part of his new creation just through trying harder or doing better, but only because God, in his infinite grace, has intervened in history and in our lives. Praise God, he had a plan all along when he promised Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through his seed, which of course was ultimately Jesus. So, in verse 13, Paul goes on to say this, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's what they did to executed criminals, to show that they had been rejected by God. And the cross was that tree for us. Jesus took the curse of our sin upon himself. And why? So that we could be forgiven and go to heaven? No, what does Paul say here? Verse 14, this is the key verse. He says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Right? There it is again. So that we might receive the promised spirit 
through faith. Receiving the Spirit is not an incidental thing. It's not an afterthought. It's the main thing. It's the most important thing. Jesus rescued us from this present evil age, as we saw in chapter 1. He redeemed us from our slavery, became a curse for us. And why? So that by believing in him, we might receive the promised spirit, become part of God's new multinational family on earth. Jesus delivered us from the curse so that by his spirit, we might become agents of his blessing. Let me say that again. Jesus delivered us from the curse so that by his spirit, we might become agents of his blessing. Now, of course, it was the people of Israel who were originally called to be the vehicle of that blessing. They were Abraham's natural descendants who were uh, related to him according to the flesh. They were called to be a light to the nations, but they were unfaithful. And their failure just proved that like the rest of mankind, they needed rescuing from the sin that has infected us all. And it showed that God's promises could never be accomplished in the flesh through our own efforts, but only by his spirit. And that's why this is so important. Let me just quickly highlight some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in us. I mean, first of all, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us faith to believe. You see, how did you come to believe? Right? You heard the gospel about Christ and him crucified and like the Galatians, you put your faith in him. But where did that faith come from? Because the Bible says it's the gift of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who also marks us as sons and daughters of Abraham. It's no longer circumcision that identifies us as belonging to God. God's promise was that one day there would be a circumcision of the heart. There'd be this inward circumcision where his spirit would give us a new heart, a heart of love for God and a desire to do his will. And that promise was fulfilled with the coming of the spirit. All who receive the spirit are identified as children of God. It's also the Holy Spirit who guarantees our inheritance in the new heavens and earth, the inheritance that God promised to Abraham's family. When we believe, God gives us his spirit as a down payment, uh, like a foretaste of the age to come. But he's also actively at work in us, sanctifying us, transforming us into the likeness of Christ. And we'll look at those things another time in Galatians. But finally, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who fills us again and again with God's tangible presence. And that's the sense we get from Paul's comments in verse 5, where he says, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. It's the Spirit filling us, empowering us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, to see lives and communities transformed, uh, to make an impact on society as they did in the early church. Can you see? Jesus redeemed us from the curse not just so that we could be delivered from our slavery to sin and death, but so that we might receive the promised spirit and so that the blessing of Abraham might flow through us to our neighbors and out to the nations. Jesus delivered us from the curse so that by his spirit, we might become agents of his blessing. So you can understand why the apostle Paul was so frustrated with the Galatians. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? 
I read a great illustration about this, and I'm sure many of you have heard the story of Blondin. He was the famous tightrope walker, who at the end of the 19th century stretched a tightrope across the mighty Niagara Falls. Thousands came to see his performances, including royalty. He was a sensation, walking forwards and backwards, uh, doing various tricks along the way, uh, one time even sitting on a stool right in the middle of that tightrope and eating a meal, right suspended above the, the mighty falls. Uh, but one of his most famous stunts was when he asked who could volunteer to be carried over on his back. And it must have been one of the most supreme acts of trust that one human being has put in another as a man stepped forward and was carried on blondin' shoulders along that tightrope. Now, supposing halfway across the man said to Blondin, you know what, I don't really trust you anymore. Uh, I think I'd better do the rest by myself. Just let me down and I'll finish the walk without you. Can you imagine the response he would have got from any watching family or friends? Are you out of your mind? Have you lost your senses? How on earth could he think of finishing the journey by himself? Well, that's exactly the reaction the Apostle Paul had. Having begun in the Spirit, how could you think that you can continue in the flesh by your own efforts? You need to keep trusting in Christ alone so that he will continue to supply you with his Spirit because with the Spirit you have everything you need to finish your journey and fulfill God's mission. You know, to try and do things in your own strength, trust in your own efforts, is like climbing off the back of the one who is carrying you to safety. It will only lead to disaster. Listen, what hope is there for the church in America today? What hope for our society? How will we see the blessing of God flowing through this nation and out to the nations, transforming people's lives, transforming churches and communities? Do our churches need to make more effort, right? Will it be through uh, having better websites, uh, better teachers and communicators, uh, better music and kids ministry, uh, being more relevant, more attractional? Or perhaps we should make more effort to serve our communities or, or maybe organize ourselves politically, you know? Be more vocal on social media, make a stand against the cultural drift, take our nation back. What would the Apostle Paul say? I think he'd say, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? And it's not that human effort in itself is wrong. I'm sure there's all kinds of ways we could, you know, make more effort. But if we're relying on that to save us, to change things, to see God's blessing, then it's like climbing off the back of the tightrope walker, we don't stand a chance. It's the Holy Spirit who brought us into God's kingdom and birthed the church. And so we need the Holy Spirit to complete the task. You know, it's not enough just to be seeking a few uh, Spirit-inspired contributions on a Sunday morning. We need the supply of the Spirit in our everyday lives, leading us, transforming us, empowering us, because that is normative Christianity. One of the most exciting stories in the book of Acts took place in Ephesus in chapter 19, where we're told there that all the residents of Asia came to hear the word of God. I mean, wow. What's more, it says extraordinary miracles were being performed and a riot took place. So many people were turning to Christ, the occultists were going out of business. 
because no one wanted to buy their idols anymore. And it changed the economy of the whole city. And do you know how that whole gig started? When Paul and his team turned up in Ephesus and met a group of disciples who they thought were Christ followers. And they asked them, first question, they asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You see, there it is again. Paul knew the church is going nowhere. We will accomplish nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. And he soon realized that these weren't disciples of Jesus yet, so he preached the gospel to them. And as they no doubt responded with faith, he baptized them in water. And then he prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And so it was that a new Spirit-empowered community of faith was born in Ephesus, and it affected the whole region. We need Spirit-filled churches. The Holy Spirit is not just something we believe in theologically, but who we're trusting Jesus to supply continuously. As Paul wrote later on to the church in Ephesus, go on being filled with the Spirit. And that's what we see here in this letter to the Galatians in verse 5. It says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You know, when Paul first came to Galatia and preached the good news of Jesus, it was the Spirit who awakened faith in them to believe. And God clearly manifested his presence among them in miracles like the healing of that crippled man. But not only had the Galatians received the Holy Spirit at that time, it seems they were also continuing to enjoy his activity. As Paul says, he who supplies the Spirit to you, which suggests continual supplies of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the original language indicates an abundant or, or lavish supply of the Spirit. And what's more, he says, and works miracles among you. Present tense. Right? This is normative Christianity. A spirit-filled community who are continuing to see supernatural happenings. It's what God had promised his people, the blessing of Abraham. What were they thinking that they could somehow improve on that by relying on their own efforts when Jesus had done it all and was supplying all that they needed? What are we thinking? So, should we pray longer, pray harder, twist God's arm to give us more of his spirit, do more miracles amongst us, empower our witness to the people around us? No. It's not a matter of us doing more. It's a matter of trusting what Jesus has already done. Right? This is a matter of faith. What did Paul say? He says, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's not by our works or human effort, but by hearing with faith, says Paul. It's faith like Abraham when he believed God's promise and life came from a barren womb. And that's what can happen. Even when a church may seem barren, God can bring new life, growth, vitality, power as we believe his promise. Right? We may feel crippled in our witness. We need a miracle when all around us it seems so dark, so resistant, so hostile. But Paul saw the crippled man had faith to be made well as he heard the good news about Jesus. And so he commanded him to stand up, and he did. And the crowd were astounded. Faith comes by hearing. What you've been hearing today has been about God's promises to you and me. Jesus redeemed us from the curse so that we might receive the Holy Spirit. Are you trusting in Jesus? 
then receive the Holy Spirit right now. You can, right now, where you are. As you've been listening, faith has been stirring. So receive the Holy Spirit. He's already been poured out freely, abundantly. So receive, be filled with the Spirit. Right now, be filled with the Spirit. And go on being filled because there's a continuous supply. Keep on receiving. Depend on the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Overcome by the Spirit. If you need healing, may His Spirit come and impart healing to you right now. Receive healing in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is here. The blessing of Abraham is flowing into the world through his people. The power of the age to come is breaking through into the present time. So receive healing now in the name of Jesus. Let's keep asking. Keep receiving. Keep believing. Don't rely on anything else. Least of all yourself. Jesus has done it all. And he will carry you all the way. He will bring us to our destination. Let's keep trusting him. Okay? Jesus delivered us from the curse so that by his spirit, we might become agents of his blessing. So go and be a blessing today.